my name is Ellis Palmer, and, and today I'm on with Andrew Flint, a Boo Hiss Man United fan and the Football Supporters Federation Blogger of the Year, a senior writer at these Football Times, and he's regularly featured in Full Four Two and on BBC News and ITV's Good Morning Britain. How's the weather in Siberia, Andrew? Well, I've got to be honest, fellas, it's really, really mad. Two days ago, we had we had snow, I mean, heavy snow, and today it's bright blue skies and sunshine, so I never know what to expect one day to the next, but today, not too bad. Wow, seems like climate change is taking its impact up there. <laughs> Just a little bit. Fantastic. Right, let's get into Man United. What are your thoughts on uh, Manchester United this season? Oh, blimey. Um, it's it's a tough one, Ellis, for me, because a lot of people have have slated Mourinho's progress uh, this season. I, I I don't know is the honest answer. I mean, there are some positives. I'll start with the positives. I've been really, really, really pleased to see uh, Marcus Rashford, in particularly towards the end of this season, um, I've been pleased to see him get some more game time and Axel Twanzebe playing against Arsenal uh, last time out. It was good. It's good to see one or two more youngsters coming through. And, you know, the, a lot's been made about Champions League qualification. And let's not kid ourselves. That really is, that is the be all and end all. Whether we like it or not, whether we like the the nature of, of money dictating the priorities of clubs, it, it is absolutely essential. Now, I mean, going for the league, United, I don't want to, I don't believe it is arrogant to say a club of United stature should at least be competing solidly for top four as a bare minimum. Uh, and we're making a bit of a hash of it. But Europa League run has actually been, you know, it's been kind of fun. And on paper, we're looking, we're looking pretty strong for that. Um, Celta Vigo tomorrow night, and we should really be able to put that one to bed. It looks like being Ajax in the final. And if we win that, I'd say overall, for now, I'd be, I'd say content. I wouldn't say much more than that because plenty of drawbacks. But for now, I'm reasonably happy. And what are your thoughts on Mr. Mourinho's first season in charge at the club? Well, you know what, Ellis? Last summer, I was, I thought it was a really, really good appointment because one thing United have been lacking, in my opinion, since um, Sir Alex Ferguson left is just that cutthroat, street-fighting, winning attitude. And I thought signing him, Pogba, Ibrahimovic, I thought those three, the the attitude that they were going to bring, that was what I really, really wanted. I thought we'd been missing it for so, so long. Um, I think he's a different, a different beast to the man who just utterly dominated with Chelsea. And I don't subscribe to the whole, you know, Mourinho is just a negative coach. Everybody listening who's not a United fan will say, what is this United fan on about? But the truth is, and before this season, I'm talking in particular, he's an absolute master tactician. However, this season, I do believe he's not performed up to expectations. I think that's fairly clear to see. And the number of draws we've had, I mean, 14 draws in the league, 10 at home is just unforgivable. And I think one of his main problems is he's not, in my opinion, used the players available to the best of their abilities. When you've got a player like Henrik Mkhitaryan, Anthony Martial, players like this who are game changers, 
they should be playing week in, week out, and in their best position. And the truth is, I think, when you've got Wayne Rooney, Ibrahimovic, and Mkhitaryan, I don't think all three of them fit in the side together because Mkhitaryan's a number 10. He's not a wide player. And so many times he's been played out wide, it's not been used to his full extent. So I think Mourinho really needs to not clear out the squad completely, but he really needs to decide who his players, his first choice 11 is going to be and and let the others go, quite honestly. So I, Wayne Rooney is one of them for me. How's he done overall this season? Uh, I, I, six out of ten. He's, he's, not been, he's not blown me away. But I'm not losing hope altogether. He just he needs to get a clearer idea in his head of his first eleven, and then I'll be happy next season. And what were your expectations going into this season, sort of last summer? I mean, a title challenge is always part of the expectations, and in that sense, we've fallen well, well short. It's just something that a, a, every big club should strive for. I don't think it, I don't think it's arrogance. Every Liverpool fan, every Arsenal fan, every City fan, every Chelsea fan should be expecting at least some sort of title challenge. On that sense, we've fallen down. Uh, good to get some silverware under our belts. And, but, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, it's been a bit disappointing in the league. Like, I mean, it's, there's, there's no two ways about that. Uh, Europa League run, well, you know, it, we're, we're in a competition. We, <laughs> there's, there's, no, there's no point trying to pretend that we don't want to win it. So, in that sense, we've done well on that front. Challenging for the title, it's got to be, it's got to be the expectations every season. Otherwise, you're just treading water. And I, nothing towards a club and accepting less than what you're capable of. The squad we have, okay, the defence is where I believe we need to improve the most. And a central midfielder, a truly, truly class midfielder to cover for the Michael Carrick role, as I see it. Uh, And then I'd say, there's not much we need to change. A new defender, central midfielder, and we've got a very, very good squad. So my expectations were a title challenge. And I really do believe that it will be well within our reach with one or two good signings this summer. And I don't want I don't want Antoine Griezmann, for example. I don't think that's the sort of signing we need. Central midfielder and defender, and then I think a title challenge again for next season. That's that's what I'm after anyway. So why don't you want Griezmann? He's an excellent player. He'd fit really well into United's team. Well, I mean, the thing is, he is a, of course he's a world-class player. He's a very, very talented guy. But for me, it would be a bit of a kick in the teeth for, for Marcus Rashford in particular uh, and Anthony Martial. I mean, Martial particularly gets a lot of criticism, but he's just never been given the confidence. He's never been given the run to actually genuinely prove what he needs those sort of players the flair player well Marcel in particular I mean here flair players they need that bit of an ego boost don't they and if Antoine Griezmann is brought in it it basically says well okay Marcus Rashford you're going to have to be played out wide which is out of position for him he's look how he's played as a central striker he that's that's where he gets you get the best out of him and I honestly don't believe we need another striker now, a lot depends on Ibrahimovic. Will he sign up again? Do we want him to sign up again with his with his, his injury? Will he recover fully? He's, of course, saying he, he's completely recovered, but that's what he wants when he wants to get a new deal. So whether he'll sign for us or move to move to MLS, I don't know. But I, I, just, I just don't think it's the sort of Ed Woodward signing. I have no time at all for Ed Woodward. He just, he makes these blockbuster signings thinking that will get the fans on his side without really 
thinking it through. And he's clearly not a good negotiator. So I, if we had Antoine Griezmann, I wouldn't be completely distraught, obviously. But I just don't think it's what we need. I think a midfielder and a defender, that's what we need. So why are you not keen on Edward Red? Edward Red is Manchester United's chairman, by the way. I mean, when you when you look at what other clubs have, I mean, I take Daniel Levy at Spurs as a classic example. He's built a fearsome reputation as a tough negotiator. Clubs know that they are not going to be able to flee Spurs if they're trying to sell a player. And he's he's built a very, very impressive squad. I mean, you know, he he's been the driving force behind negotiations in their in their transfer dealings. Ed Woodward has come in as a an, an executive. He doesn't have a great sports background. He's a businessman more than a football man. And you know, it's this Ibrahimovic was a very good signing last summer. My personal feelings with Ibrahimovic actually is that he's done brilliantly this season, but to move forward as a team, I wouldn't re-sign him. I wouldn't have said that three, four months ago, but I've started to realise that him being in the side, there's too much focus on him. And it, his reported wages that have come out in the last day or two of £360,000 a week, how accurate that is, I don't know, because the Daily Mail has reported it, so I don't pay too much attention to their accuracy, to be honest with you. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it... it, it even even the ballpark, even if it's 250, even if it's 200, I'm imagining it certainly is at least that much. That's too much. And like I say, Marcus Rashford is the is the better is the better striker overall, as far as I'm concerned. Ibrahimovic has had a great career, but it's time to hand over to a to a man who's hungry, talented, and is just on absolute fire. Ed Woodward, he. Hmm. I mean, the price of Pogba's transfer is it, it, that label will always be around his neck now. And okay, it's not necessarily all his fault. The you know, Mina Raiola, the agent, he's well. I mean, he's in it for the obviously, like every agent, in it for the money. But he's very good at getting his cut. You know, and we're seeing recently reports of him being paid from that transfer somewhere in the region of thirty-five to forty million euros, which is just I, I cannot understand how that is possible. And you look at the fees to agents paid, Manchester United are regularly at the top of that list. Clubs, you know, other clubs know they can get top dollar out of us. And I, I just don't think he's a good negotiator overall. So that's why I'm not the biggest fan of Ed Woodward, if I'm honest, Ellis. So let's talk about some of Manchester United's performances this season, particularly that 25-game unbeaten run which came to an end last weekend with a 2-0 defeat against Arsenal. Sure, it's got the most underwhelming unbeaten run by a club in recent times. There's a heck of a lot of draws in there, wasn't there? Yeah, well, absolutely. I, I, I agree with you on that one. It's, um, it, it's trumpeting something that hasn't actually yielded anything tangible. I mean, we, we're not the forward of this run. We were outside the top four. We're still outside the top four. And okay, yes, if you look at the table mathematically, yes, we can still, we could still make top four. Uh, if we win our game in hand over Liverpool, then we're only two points behind them. Okay, we need them to drop points in one of the last two games, but it's that's, that's unlikely, but it is mathematically possible. But we shouldn't be a club that's clinging on to outside hopes of getting in the top four. We should be, we should be challenging directly for the title. Chelsea have been magnificent this season, so. Um, but you know, the, even if we had lost out 
back to the title, we could have at least been confident and secure in our championship qualification. The unbeaten run, just so many draws, Ellis. So many draws. I just there's there's nothing more dispiriting than not being able to beat teams in the bottom half of the table. And again, if you're a supporter of you know a Burnley, a Watford, a Swansea, it's it's not being disrespectful. I mean, just on paper, we should be winning those games at home. As simple as that. Otherwise, we should just forget about being a European team. The unbeaten run, it, it's, it's, it feels almost a bit like the Pogba transfer fee to me. It's a very heavy weight around the neck that is, in a weird way, as long as we do end up getting Champions League qualification, it was better that we did lose it because now we, we can forget about that nonsense and just concentrate on actually performing well rather than not being beaten. Um, so I'm hoping this will be, well, it's a bit too late really for this season, but I'm hoping it will be a chance to restart, reassess and actually focus on killing teams off with that verve that we used to have. So the unbeaten run was a win rate of just 50% and that's the lowest ever of any unbeaten run in the Premier League. So why were there so many draws? Just why? Is it Mourinho's style of play? Was it the players were switching off after going ahead? Why? Certainly a part of it is is Mourinho's pragmatism. And I, I do think he won't ever admit it publicly, but I think I think he did want to, at least if he couldn't guarantee Champions League qualification, he wants to have something to cling on to, to point to, to say, look, hey, I've been unbeaten for this many games. And there is a there is an, an element of that that is to be praised that you know you, you can build a solidity, a dependability about the side, but just if you can't excuse drawing nil nil and no offence, Ellis, but drawing nil nil at home to Hull City, drawing to with Bournemouth, drawing with West Brom, drawing with Swansea at home, drawing with Burnley at home, all decent sides in their own right, and you know there always is a I don't want to say a freak result, but some of them can play the games of their lives, and most teams do tend to when they come to Old Trafford. So one or two draws in that area, okay, it happens. But four or five or six of them is just, it's not right. And, you know, unfortunately, that is the way that Mourinho has set up from time to time that, well, I mean, not quite often, that once it's, you know, 20, 30 minutes to go, he'll he'll rather close up the result than go for the win. And that's not the United we used to see. So that, that side has been disappointing. I think, honestly, in terms of the players' own performances, You've got your Anthony Martials and and Rashford's of this world who just they don't haven't looked one hundred percent confident throughout the whole season. Rashford recently has been brilliant, but again, I put that down to circumstance rather than Mourinho's coaching because he's ended up playing more centrally, where he's just devastating, and defenders don't know how to pick him up. But before that, you know, you've got these game changes. You've got you know Henrik Mkhitaryan who was barely played in the first half of the season, and they're just they're, they're not being given their full license to to do what they can do. So I'd say how the players are used and Mourinho's attitude to safeguarding a result as opposed to killing a game off, those have been the main problems for me. So I think quite a lot will come down to the transfer dealings this summer. And if I'm honest, more about the outgoings than the incomings. So we'll see what happens there. There used to be a fear factor, didn't there, when you were a smaller club going to Old Trafford, even... <laughs> Yeah. Mighty Manchester City, we've got all this money now, but 
when we used to go to Old Trafford for Derby, was a fear factor. It's a case of, oops, how many goals could we lose by? Let's limit the damage. And now, for the smaller clubs in the bottom half of the Premier League, there's no longer that fear factor of going to Old Trafford. The fear factor has moved on to the Etihad or Stamford Bridge or White Hart mm. Lane. Would you say that's an issue that's maybe occurred and maybe a reason why Man United aren't performing as well against the smaller teams because they think they can come to Old Trafford and win? There, undoubtedly, there is uh, the, the fifth. Well, if there, there is no fear factor anymore. We have had flashes this season of how I want United to play. And, I, I, you know, um, of course, when we look at the results and we're discussing the unbeaten run and the number of draws, there are a lot of negatives to be drawn out of it. But I, I still maintain that we're not actually that far off from regaining that fear factor. If just one or two movements can be made in the squad, if the right people are played in the right positions, we really do have some of the most lethal players potentially Martial, I think, is one of the keys to us regaining that fear factor. I'm not going to. I'm not going to go down the whole route of the Manchester United way. That's one of my pet hates in football. Every club claims, "Oh, I'm I'm annoyed we don't play in the West Ham way, the Swansea way, the the Chelsea way." There is no way. Everybody just wants to play gung ho attacking football. It's it, it's attractive to watch, but I don't subscribe to that. But what I do say is that Manchester United have genuinely had a a long history of wingers, of wide players with pace. And, you know, I mean, Ryan Giggs has been one of the greatest players to ever play in England, yet alone for Manchester United. Um, but it's not just him. It was, you know, going further back, you know, we've got the Jesper Olsons of this world. My dad just raves about Jesper Olsen in the days, you know, during the 80s when we didn't have our greatest period and you'd have one of the most skillful dangerous wingers around. Well, Anthony Martial is not, he's not in the class of Ryan Giggs, but he's, you know, he's, he could potentially be one of the most lethal young players around. And when he, when he has the bit between his teeth, when he's running at defenders, it, I don't really care what formation you play. Any player like that can cause problems for the top clubs. And that's, that's part of the fear factor. Defenders backpedaling at Old Trafford, getting the crowd on their feet. That's that's the way to do it, in my opinion. And, you know, give these give the young players who are most dangerous, give them license to really not have a fear factor themselves. And that's that's how we're gonna that's how we're gonna do it. We've got players who can do it. That's that's my point. That's what I'm trying to to get across here. That it's not like we have to revamp the entire squad. Some areas need to be improved, but the game changers are there. Mkhitaryan as a playmaker is there and we, we've got that possibility so the fear factor has gone I can't deny that and I can just I can only hope we focus on regaining it in the right way for next season Indeed we're now going to take a short break and then after that we will be discussing Manchester United's players and their form this season I just thought I'd take a quick break here to tell you all about the other podcasts that World Football Index has available. That's Football Grad and Russian Football, Dagan Pressing and the Bundesliga, the Champions League podcast, the Sound of the Liga and Guess What La Liga, and the Serie A sit-down focusing on the Italian game. WFI is also global. We've got great coverage in the Americas too. The South American Football Podcast and Don't Call It Soccer on the MLS and the Liga MX are great listens. The Copa Libertadores podcast is also well worth checking out. 
If you're one for nostalgia, we've got a monthly World Cup series taking you up to Russia 2018. And the 11 Pieces of Me podcast, where football fans and journalists construct their favourite all-time 11. Last but not least, the Tactics Pod with Stevie Greaves is our most popular part of the week. Discover the variety of high-quality analysis we've got at World Football Index by checking out our feeds on iTunes, SoundCloud, or your podcast of choice today. I'm here with Andrew Flint, the blogger of the year, last year, for the Football Supporters Federation, who's a senior writer at These Football Times, who's been featured on 442 and on BBC News and ITV's Good Morning Britain. You've also got a vlog, haven't you, Andrew? I'm just looking at the um, front bit of it here. It's called An Englishman in Siberia. It looks like bearded hipster braves cold. Yeah, no, I, I started it up to mostly to just show people a bit of where I live. And, you know, I take videos of going to some of the football out here in Russia. And in fact, I'm going to a game in in about two hours time, actually, after this pod, um, my local side in the second tier. So, yeah, if you're interested to see what, you know, lower league Russian football looks like through wind, snow, rain, the lot, then do have a look at my blog and my YouTube channel. Plenty of videos on there. You're from the Greater Manchester area originally, aren't you? So how did you come to live in Russia? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I live in I live in Altrium. Uh, my parents live in Altrium, and that's where I grew up. But, but basically just for, for work, I came out as an English teacher, and, and uh, this was the first place that re- replied to my applications. It, it, obviously, it could have been anywhere, but I thought, Russia? Yeah, why not? And uh, and I met my wife out here. I met my my two teams, football teams, FC Tumen and Ural Yekaterinburg. And I fell in love with the people and just thought, you know what? I like this place. So, yeah, um, this is my home now. Fantastic. Fantastic. I'm sure the Kremlin's listening to this podcast as we speak. <laughs> right, let's hit it off. Let's talk about Manchester United's players and their form this season. Starting off with Ibrahimovic, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, as he likes to be called, just Zlatan. So when <laughs> United signed him last season, they thought they got the bargain of the season signing him in a free transfer. And certainly there's been times this season where he's got like a world-beating player, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think anybody can can deny he's been a, even with his extortionate wages, that he's been a fantastic value for money signing. And he was what we needed because he, more than his goals for me, it's his it's his attitude around the place. You know, he's he can be not exactly an inspiration. He's not remotely on the level of Eric Cantona. I'd like to make that very clear right now. You know, all the noises he made at the beginning, Cantona's the king. I'm going to be the the lord of Old Trafford or whatever he said. Don't start that as Latin. You can't compete with with King Eric. But he does have a winning attitude. He does have well, he has the quality that allows he brings other players into the game. Well, you know, he doesn't have pace, but he does have he does have a very very good ability to hold up play to to allow runners to come onto the ball in you know counter attacking play. And his goals have been very very impressive. He's 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 scored more than um, more than most United players in the last few seasons. So. He's he's done he's done his job he's done what has been expected of him and 
The, what I would say is, though, I think even even Zlatan can't beat Father Time. And I don't think it would be in the best interests, like I mentioned in the first part of the pod, I don't think it'd be in the best interest of our younger players of the team as a whole if if he did stay on next season. He's done brilliantly, as far as I was concerned, if he could... Well, he won't be playing, obviously, if we did make it to the Europa League final. But if he could be part of the team that, that got us there at the very least, that's, I'd say that's a good way for him. It's a good way for him to go out. He's been part of a team that has got somewhere this season. Not won the title, not challenged for the title like we wanted, but got it back into Champions League football, touch wood. But it's, it's time to move on now. He's been great value, but it's time for Rashford to take up the mantle as our, as our main striker, in, in my opinion. So why, just why, is it the fact that age is catching up with him? Because you see that at, at times you think it is like that, and then at other times you sort of think, wow, this guy's a, a world-beating player. Well, it just for me, Alice, it's just that he his performances have <laughs> been more and more sporadic as the season has, has gone on. And, you know, I, I know that some people are quite happy for a striker to do nothing for 89 minutes and then score and he's done his job for the day. Well, there are performances when that's that's what you need. When it's a you know it's not an inspiring performance. It's not clicking, but you just get your main man to put it away and you get the three points. But there's too many performances where he hasn't had enough influence over the whole game. You know, you need a leader like that to really really influence the whole game more often. And I think partly it's age, but also partly. Ah, his record of challenging for titles, something like nine out of the previous 10 seasons, he'd won the title in whichever country he'd been in. That's he's clearly, he's a very arrogant man. And I mean that in a good sense. I think main strikers should be arrogant. You want them to be cocky. You want them to have that swagger about them. And he certainly had that, but I think he's slightly losing that because he realizes that, well, he realized a few, a few months ago that we weren't going to be challenging for the title. And I think that's taken a bit out of his motivation, perhaps. And I, I'm not trying to criticize him. He's, he's done a good job. But I, Zatan, thank you very much. But time to move on. Can you say the role that Zlatan has had at, Ma- at Manchester United has been akin to Thierry Henry when Thierry Henry came back to Arsenal and brought on Robin Van Persie significantly, or when Hendrik Larsson? Joined Manchester United on your own. But I think it was half a season and really improved Wayne Rooney's game. Could you say that Zlatan's role has been to bring on Martial and Rashford and improve their game? Well, yeah, that certainly was what I, I hoped would happen. And I think partly he's done that. But, you know, I think it's more more off the pitch that he's, that he's, that he's done that. I mean, I can't stand the whole social media obsession of, you know, the likes of Pogba and Jesse Lingard but I can't deny look that that's just the world we live in we have to accept that to some degree and I think the fact that he's coming not trying to be the you know senior school teacher the headmaster almost but he seems to be jovial he seems to be relaxed and and enjoying life around the training ground and that's been that's been a positive part it's allowed the you know, I want the youngsters to have an element of arrogance about them. That's that's what I mentioned earlier, you know, about the whole, you know, the, the arrogant street fighting. We're going to we're gonna win this game by the scruff of our neck. We've not had enough of that this season, but he's at least given license to the younger players to take take their role on the pitch. And 
I think he's well. It's, it's just like I say, he's, he's done a he's done a good job. But I think if he stays much longer, it's going to become a hindrance. So I think his role will change next season if he stays around and is given another another contract on stupid amounts of money. So yeah, I, I, I said it a few times already. Thanks, Latam. But you know, you've done your job. But now it's time for. The, the youngsters to really take centre stage completely, not be a supporting cast for Slatan, but to be the centre leading role. That's what I want to see. Let's talk about those youngsters that have made it into the first team at Manchester United and have got themselves something of a, a starting berth at Old Trafford, Marcus Rashford and Anthony Martial. Let's start off with Rashford. I mean, you just sometimes have to remember just how young Rashford is and how so, sort of a late bloomer he was to come into the game, really, don't you? Well, I mean, he's he's just been absolutely incredible. Just what, I don't know, just over a year ago, he makes his debut for United when he's still at school, literally still at school, having to get permission, well, not permission, obviously he was going to be allowed, but taking exams, the lot of it. I mean, the, the guy, he's only 19 and he shows he's muscling people off the ball. He's he's taking people on. Um the only disappointment for me is that he hasn't started more games from the beginning. You know, he's he's come off the bench 14 times this season. And, you know, I mean, in in his first few games, his first half season or so, then absolutely fine. I totally understand that. And, you know, if it's a player who was perhaps a little fragile mentally, because, you know, he's, he's only a teenager, don't forget then I totally understand being very gradual bringing him in. But there are some players, and Rashford is definitely one of them, who there's no point hanging around. The guy, the kid is ready. I mean, he is still a kid, but he's ready. He's hungry. He's a local lad. He's, he's got the, he's got, obviously, he's got the fans on his side. He's got the ability. And I don't see any reason to hold him back. And it, that has been, has been one slight disappointment. And and that I put at Mourinho's door there. He should have, in my opinion, made him even more of a starter. And it's, it's just, it's so clear the effect that he has when he starts a game, especially in the middle, uh, through the middle, that's the, I think, that's the number nine he's best. Then just look at how much he has an influence over the game. He, he doesn't show nerves. And I mean, why would he when he's got that ability? So Rashford next season, I'd be bitterly disappointed if he doesn't play three quarters of our games you know I, I think fitness wise I mean, ability wise mentality wise he's got the lot and you know he could go on to be even better for us even better so Rashford he's done everything that's been asked of him he's done everything that's been asked asked of him and uh, I want us to ask even more of him now so next season more starting games please Mr Mourinho Let's talk about the other young player who's come through. Well, United signed him for a significant amount from AS Monaco, but certainly he's built on his game, Anthony Martial. At times this season, Martial has been lacking a little bit and there have been question marks over him, but he's come into his own recently, hasn't he? Martial and, and Rashford. Martial's a couple of years older than Rashford, and, and yet I see Rashford as a much more confident player, a confident person. Um, I mean, compare it this season to last season. Last season, he played the majority of games. He barely came to the bench. He was the starting player. This season, he's not been starting so much. And when he has played, it's never been for much more than you know two or three games at a time, if that. 
I just think um, I think Mourinho really needs to realise that not every player can be this hard backtracking player who can do as much defensively as he can going forwards. And I think I think with Martial is he needs to be given more of an ego boost. He needs more of a I don't want to say arm around the shoulder, but he needs to be told, look. You know, you might have one or two off games, but I'm going to put you in the side for five, ten games. You've got that run. Show me what you can do. And for him to be played in his best position, I think out wide it is most effective for him. And if he's given that, then the goals will come. The confidence will come. Rashford is, is he's a local lad and he's come through the system. So I don't think he has so much pressure on him I think he's got that he's got the mental side of his game very very well sorted out already Martial needs more confidence given to him so you know this this season I think I don't think Mourinho's treated him desperately well I don't think he's 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 dealt with him in the best sense it is a manager's job to get the best out of his players and he's not got the best out of out of Martial over the course of the season we've seen glimpses of it but not a consistent Run and that's that's what he needs. And he's only played half half the minutes that he has in the league uh, that he did last season. So I, I really strongly hope Martial is given a genuine regular slot for five to ten games, not just one or two um, from next season. And then I think really we'll see the true Martial come out. And obviously, let's talk about the other sort of youngster who's come into Manchester United's team over the last few years, not even a couple of years, but few years, which is Jesse Lingard, who really had an extended run of form under Louis van Gaal last season at Manchester United, but certainly for the first half of the season, seemed to be thrown out of the club, of the first team by Jose Mourinho. What are your views on Jesse Lingard? Jesse Lingard, a lot, he got a lot of attention for the new contracts he was given for a hundred grand a week, and a lot of people were laughing at it, saying he's not worth it. Well, quite honestly, that's a load of rubbish. Of course he's worth it. Of course he's worth a hundred grand. If you've got Wayne Rooney on three hundred grand a week, Jesse Lingard on a hundred is is basically a bargain. Now I'm not saying he's a world beater, but he he's exactly the sort of player I want in the squad. He's not in my mind, a first-choice player. I don't think he's quite got that ability. But if, for example, Martial is having a bad run of form or is injured, then Lingard can step in. And, you know, he, he's a, he's one of his social media types. He does the whole dab with Paul Pogba. Again, I can't stand it in itself. But I like it in the sense that, you know, he's he's got to, trying to get a bit of a swagger into his game. And he does have spectacular long-range shots. He's scored some quite stunning goals this season. So Lingard, I'm happy with how, bizarrely, I'm actually happy with how he's done. I think he's he's been used probably in the right way. Not as an out-and-out first-choice player, but certainly capable of, of holding the fort until one of the first-choice players come back in. And the fact that he's a local lad, he, I mean, he's actually not Manchester boy, he's from Warrington, um, where my where my dad works actually, but he's yeah, and he is twenty four. Don't forget, he's not he's not a a young well in football terms, he's not a youngster anymore. He's getting into the middle stages of of his career age wise. I, I think he's he's a good lad to have around, and I, I certainly wouldn't sell him. I think people shouldn't expect him to be a world beater, and for that, I think he's he's done the job well. I'm not going to put him in the side ahead of Martial, certainly not, but definitely like him as a squad player. 
And I mean, if people are going to whinge about him on a hundred grand a week, they need to look at the wages that are being bandied around in football, you know, across the Premier League, and and then then come back and reassess that. So certainly, I think uh, Lingard is a good squad player to have around. Whenever I've seen the boy from the town on the M62 corridor play, he's always seemed to shine in cup ties. But you say that's a fair evaluation. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of what I mean. He's when he comes in for the cup games, when it's resting a player who might be needed for a league game or a European game, he's exactly that sort of player who will come in and he'll he'll take that chance. I mean, the guy's been out like a lot of young players have. He's been out on loan what, three, four times, I think it is, in the last few years, and I'd say he's one of the successes of using the loan system to just. Give the guy a bit more experience, give him a bit more game time, and now he's ready to step up the last couple of seasons. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And if he becomes a cup player, well, look, that's what a squad is for. You know, the criticism we've seen in the press the last week about David Wagner at Huddersfield fielding a weakened side once he'd already secured promotion is just the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. That's what a squad is for. That's why we have squads, not just teams. And Jesse Lingard is a, is a, exactly that sort of player. He can be a cut player, as far as I'm concerned. And if he has a good run of form, I'll happy to have him in the side during the league. There's nothing wrong with having a squad player, basically. That's my point. And I think Lingard is good enough to be a squad player for United. Would you say there's been a change at Manchester United this season between Louis van Gaal, who is very, very keen to bring through younger players, youth players have been at the club, but also younger players that the club have brought in from other clubs. And Jose Mourinho, who tends to go with your more established big names. I mean, what I'd say about Van Gaal is, I mean, first of all, he was just utterly dreadful. And the dour depression he brought to Old Trafford was, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm still still trying to get over the scars of it. I'm not, I'm, I'm not used to this as a Manchester United fan, Alice, you see. Um, but Van Gaal, I think with the youth players, it always felt to me like he wanted to have something up his sleeve so we could point to it and say, well, look, at least I bring through youth. It's the thing that I do. Um, but he didn't really seem to have a plan with it. He didn't seem to have a way of building, you know, getting young players into the side as a genuine option. Bringing through Rashford, okay, sure, he he deserves some credit for bringing him through. But, you know, Van Gaal is not the guy who develops Rashford. He's not the guy who who has coached him from the youth levels upwards. The youth coaches have done a brilliant job um, developing the man and the player. And I don't, I don't give Van Gaal credit for that. He does some credit for putting him in the side, sure. But, um, you know, the likes of James Wilson uh, being out on loan, God knows how many times, and he's still only 21. He's, he's a sort of player who also was played sometimes by Van Gaal. And sure, it's sort of smatterings of the youngsters coming through. Tim fosu Mensa, another. Um, so this season with, with Mourinho, yes, he's been more cautious with them, but... You know, he's some hits, some misses. His hits, like I mentioned, okay, Lingard's no longer a youngster, but Rashford certainly has been a hit. Martial, not so much, but I, I'm I'm somewhere between the two, Ellis. I'm somewhere between the two in terms of the approach to playing the youngsters. Van Gaal, I think, went over the top 
and in my view, to give himself a get-out-of-jail-free card so he could at least justify something about his reign. Um, Mourinho perhaps doesn't hasn't quite nailed the approach to giving youngsters enough con- confidence. So I, the way I would alter it is I would, if he's going to play a youngster, give him two or three, four games, five games, not just one game to fill in. That's that's basically the thing I would change about it. Uh, in particular, I'm thinking of um, Martial here. Now we've seen Axel Twanzebe make his debut. Now he's one who really could offer something extra to the side. He's um, he could play as, across the defence. He's played for the youth team, so I, I'd say nothing wrong with bringing him through. But if he's going to bring him through, give him three or four games. Give him a short run, not just one off. So. If he can adapt to that, then I'd say Mourinho would be back on track when it comes to the youngsters. So, yeah, I've got not not too many complaints. Let's talk now about the controversy that's emerged in regards 24 to 48 hours surrounding Paul Pogba's move to Manchester United. FIFA, the world football governing body, has announced that it is looking into Paul Pogba's move to Manchester United. Why is that? What's the situation? What's going on there? Well, basically, it looks like they are looking into the payments that have made up the £89 million move. Uh, Juventus at the time claimed that they would see something in the region of €75 million, which is well short of the £89 million or €100 million that the the price was, was quoted at by Manchester United. So obviously there's a 35 million, 40 million euro gap between the transfer fee and what Juventus claim they are receiving or have received. Now, like most transfers, there are loads of parts of it relating to performance and apparently another clause of 5 million to be paid if he signs, Pogba signs a new deal. But the key figure in all of this seems to be Mina Raiola, Paul Pogba's agent. I mean, there are different figures that have been reported, but it, it seems like he will receive or has received at least thirty million pounds, and some some places claiming forty one million pounds, just to him as an agent. Now, we've seen a lot of controversy in recent years over agent payments. Um, you know, look at Neymar, his transfer, and his family getting. Uh, something a similar amount apparently for his transfer from Santos to Barcelona to, a few years ago. So it, what it basically what it looks like is FIFA are looking into the payments made to Mino Raiola and and to Juventus the club. There haven't been suggestions of wrongdoing of of Manchester United. I mean personally, I think it's in my opinion it's wrong that they would pay that much to an agent, but that itself is not unethical that's something that happens a lot so United haven't made any comment on on the contracts but the FIFA transfer matching system that looks into these sort of deals they're just simply requesting extra information at the moment so we'll certainly see what comes out in the next few days but it's something nobody would like as well certainly as a Manchester, from the Manchester United point of view it's something we wouldn't want to see uh, drag out too long, but I don't think there's been uh, I don't think there's been any ill dealings on certainly on the part of Manchester United. So we'll see we'll see what happens. But um, it's not nice to see this this amount of sums when you know clubs like Leighton Orient and 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 others are being mishandled by 
by owners and they, they they lack the funds to to run the club and you're seeing 30 million paid to an agent it's it's not it doesn't sit well with me but it is the way of the world nowadays it's just what agents are paid i mean i don't like it but it it is what happens so we'll see what comes out of this investigation whether any wrongdoing has been um has been made but i don't believe it's something that is blamed to be laid at manchester united's door at the moment but again we'll have to see what happens let's talk about a player who's been at united for god 12 13 seasons now it's the elder statesman almost of the Premier League, but he too had his controversies with agents when he was first brought into Manchester United. That is the one, the only Mr. Rain Rooney, or Shrek, as he's also known. <laughs> so what are your views on Mr. Rooney? How long do you think he can he will he can stay at Manchester United for? And do you think he will remain a Manchester United player after the summer? And also, how has he played this season? Well, short answer, Ellis, is his time is up, in my opinion. And it has been for some time. When Mourinho came in, he, he made a public statement of saying, I see Rooney as a, number, as a number nine or number ten. I don't see him as a midfielder as in the deep-lying midfielder. And that was the only position I personally could have imagined him being effective at this stage because, I mean, for one, he's lost he's lost his pace. Um, he's lost that that sparkle about his play that, that made him such an effective striker. And let's not forget, he is Manchester United's all-time top goalscorer. No matter how long you've played at the club, that is quite some achievement. And he deserves to be remembered for... As one of one of the best, one of the most talented English players in the last 10, 15 years, saying it's an all-time great, it doesn't quite sit well because his career has, in my opinion, drifted for quite a long time. You know, five, six years ago, I was it 2010, actually, I think it was, when he made that very ill-advised statement about wanting to move and so he negotiated a much more lucrative contract. That was the start of the end for me. And... He's he's been a good servant, but he's just he's one of the players. He's the I mean, unfortunately, he's one of the first players. I would I would move on, and it should be done with dignity. It should be done in the right way. But he's taking up a space in the team. Well, he's not been in the team for a long time, but a place in the squad that a more a hungrier player, a younger player, and and if I'm honest, a more effective player could be taking up. And his wages is another part of it. His salary is just eye-watering for a man who Mourinho clearly doesn't see in his first eleven, And that actually is one of Mourinho's good decisions, that it's, it's clear that Rooney shouldn't be in the starting eleven. He just is, he slows the play down dramatically when he's on the pitch. Um, he, he's, not, he's not a squad player. He should either be first choice or he should play somewhere else. And it, to be honest with you, I was... I'd be honest, I was disappointed when we didn't take advantage of that short window of madness in the Chinese Super League when they were offering, so in the region of 40 million, my understanding was, I would have snapped their hand off. 40 million, save on the wages, give more space and encouragement to the younger players. It was just, it made sense all around to me. I'm not sure what will happen now. I mean, Rooney clearly will be happy just to pick up 300 grand a week, pretty much regardless of what he does on the pitch. But I don't want to. I'm I'm being quite negative about him, but that's because in recent months and years, his effect has been overall has not been uh, overly positive. Let's be honest. 
So I'd say, Wayne, thank you very much. But much like Zlatan, it's time to move on. It's time to step aside. You've done brilliantly. Let's not tarnish your reputation any further. So I, I would move him on, uh, as I would Zlatan, and revitalise the squad by freeing up £700,000 a week and two of the biggest reputations in Manchester United's recent history. So I'd move him on, personally. Interesting thoughts there, Andrew. Interesting thoughts. One final player, Manchester United were saved by the fax machine a couple of seasons ago now when their goalkeeper, David De Gea, looked like he was going to move to Real Madrid. And thank God they were, hey. If they didn't have De Gea in the team, (laughs) they would have been been struggling this season, wouldn't they? David De Gea is, I mean, maybe I'm slightly biased, but I... I genuinely, honestly believe he is the best goalkeeper in the world at the moment because of how much value he brings to the team and their results. He's been our best player for the last two or three seasons, and it's it's not it's not to be it's not disparaging to goalkeepers as a profession, but when a goalkeeper is by some distance the standout performer over such a period of time, it really says something about the performances of the team and. You know, he's he's a Madrid lad. He grew up in through the Atletico Madrid youth system and was it was no surprise that we paid twenty five million pounds for him. Uh I can't remember the exact price, but it was in that ballpark at least. You know, he, he's a Madrid he's a Madrid boy and if Real Madrid came knocking, he's given us damn good service and he stayed even when there were overtures from them. And it's not just the fax machine alone, although that is a rather hilarious reason why he didn't move last season or season before, whenever it was. If we can negotiate absolute top dollar for him, it breaks my heart, but I think we have to accept he's not going to stay forever. And if we could get top dollar and have a youngster, a top youngster lined up in his place, personally, I, I would even consider going for Jordan Pickford at Sunderland, get a young English guy in. Sergio Romero is the experienced uh, member of the goalkeeping squad. And I wouldn't mind if Romero was first choice next season. He's been brilliant in the Europa League. Um, if we can get top dollar for him, well, in the end, I'd have to accept it's going to happen. If we can hang on to him, even better. Even better, Ellis. Um, but I think we have to accept the fact that he he's, he's going to go. He's not going to stay forever. While we can demand top top fee for him, uh, getting a good youngster to groom for the long term, then I'd say, oh, no, I, I don't want to say it, but I have to say that would probably be the best course of action instead of letting him run down a contract and leaving on a free in the future. So I, I, love, I love the guy. I don't want him to leave, but unfortunately, these things do happen. And finally, Manchester United play Celta Vigo on Thursday night in the second leg of the Europa League semi-final. If they win, they could go through to the final against what in all likelihood is looking like a Ajax side that haven't won a European trophy in 22 years. Could the Europa League final be the heralding of greater things for Manchester United, do you think? I think it will be. It's the passage that we need to get into the Champions League. And for, for this season, I mean, it, it would it would round off at least something genuinely tangible from the season. Silverware, I mean, uh, just for the statisticians, obviously it's, it's kind of satisfying to 
to to scratch that itch that it's the last European trophy, the last trophy of all that we won't have won. So if we can complete the set, that's always yeah, it's kind of satisfying in that sense. But get into the Champions League, get a couple of trophies this season under our belt, and let's move on and revitalise the side. You know, I don't think we we're not remotely in this in at the level to to challenge for the Champions League next season. But if we can get through to the knockouts, not not disgrace ourselves, put in some good performances, get to the quarterfinals at least, get one or two new players, uh, move out of the Deadwood, then genuinely it's exciting times for United. The vast majority of a squad that I think can can challenge for honours for the next few years, and if we can start by getting into the Europa League final. We've got to make sure we don't slip up at home. Celta Vigo get an away goal uh, on Thursday, then it gets, starts to get a bit nervy. But I do think we will do the business against them and and then move on to the final. A very exciting Ajax side. It's by no means a foregone conclusion. But I think Mourinho, if there's anything he's shown he is good at, it is at being hard to beat. And in a final, I don't care about the entertainment value for the final. I just want to win. However, which way we do it, then I'll take it. And I think he will set the side up well to win in the final. So if we get there, so win that. And I'd say, OK, fair enough. Not our best season ever. We've got Champions League football. Let's move forwards. What are your hopes for Manchester United next season and beyond under Jose Mourinho? Well, Ellis, first and foremost, it's got to be a title challenge. The bread and butter of of a United, well, of any club's fan, is is the league. Champions League is great for those, those high-profile nights, but what I really want is I want to get back to being a genuine contender in the league. I'm not going to demand that we win it because there are some fantastic clubs, and this is proving to be one of the more competitive eras of Premier League football in that, you know, Chelsea, Spurs, City, potentially Arsenal, United, uh, Liverpool, you know, there are, I'd say, at least six teams that could hope to be challenging for the title next season. And that's that's a good place to be. Um, so what I'd like United to be in is in the top bracket, not the second bracket like we are at the moment, but I want us to move back to the first bracket if we don't win the title, well, OK, there are some great sides uh, around and Chelsea, I see a strong favourites for that. So challenge for the title, get to the knockout stages of the Champions League if we can win the Europa League this season. And hopefully over the summer, and this is I definitely include this in my hopes for the next season, is sort out the squad by moving out Ibrahimovic and Rooney and signing a central defender to partner Eric Bailly in the long term and a midfielder to replace Michael Carrick, who could play alongside Pogba. And then I would be a very, very happy man. And finally, Andrew, where can we find you on social media and what are you working on at the moment? Um, Well, I'm on Twitter at Andrew M.I.J. Flint. And at the moment, I'm well. I'm on the editing team of these Football Times print magazine. We're uh, we've, we're just about to um, finish touching up the fourth issue, which is on Mexico. So definitely head over to thesefootballtimes.co and and check out the details there. It's a really exciting print magazine, uh, independent journalism. And that's a really exciting project at the moment. And I'm also, well, being based in Russia, I write for footballgrad.com and russianfootballnews.com. And 
over the Confederations Cup and the next 12 months, especially leading up to the World Cup, I'll be doing plenty of coverage in video form and written form on the Russian game and Confederations Cup. So keep your eyes peeled on those sites and I'll be doing plenty, plenty of work there. And also we can find you on the WFI Football Grab podcast, can't we, with Manu Beth? Absolutely, absolutely. We're going to have hopefully a couple of special editions of that actually in the next few weeks. Manu is coming over to Russia to cover the Confederations Cup. So uh, depending on our, our own availability, we'll hopefully do a couple of live podcasts from the Confederations Cup, from Russia itself, um, which will be really exciting stuff. So definitely exciting times for the Football Grad podcast. So guys, if, even if you don't even if you don't know a lot about Russian football, give it a listen because it's really, really a fascinating, fascinating league to, to follow and the politics behind it and run up to the World Cup and Confederations Cup. There's everything's going on there. So tune into that. It's definitely, definitely one of those podcasts you should listen to if you like something off the beaten track at least. I'm Ellis Palmer. You can find me at Ellis Palmer 94 on Twitter. You can also find me on the latest WFI, EPL Weekly and Globe podcasts. I did one on Monday night with Daryl Morris, who's a Southampton fan, about Southampton's form this season, the situation at the club. A great listen if you're interested in the situation at the Saints or otherwise. I mean, I did one last night and one that's going to be released today, hopefully at some point. I did two, actually, on Blackburn and fan culture. And these have been released under the banner of The Globe. They are well worth the listen, particularly the podcast on fan culture. It's my most political podcast yet. And I really, really enjoyed recording it with Richard Wyatt, who's an assistant professor at the University of Central Lancashire in Preston, England. In terms of Twitter, you can follow the pod at WFI EPO Weekly there, or you can give us a like on our Facebook page by just typing WFI EPO Weekly into your search bar. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure speaking to you guys today with Andrew about Manchester United and hopefully we'll be back with some great podcasts soon. So keep your eyes and ears peeled.